All right, good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? Good. Hey, if you're visiting, uh, my name is Dave Nelson, pastor here at K2, and just want to welcome you. And uh, it's so strange because at the 930 service, I welcomed everybody to a very sunny morning. And like all of a sudden, two hours later, I'm hearing like on tin roofs, you can hear it a lot too. Uh, but last night, apparently a bunch of storms hit because I woke up and all of my uh, lawn furniture was blown over. And then it was sunny, and now we got rain. Anybody want to bet dibs? It's blue skies when we walk out of here, right? Okay, so just, just remember this. This is a great lesson from God. I think that uh, all of his creation reveals some beauty about God's glory. And that is um, that storms come and they go. And the sun comes after they do. No storm lasts forever. And so we're so grateful for that. Hey, so glad you're here. We're in our third week of a series that we're calling Enigma. And what we're doing is we're just looking at the life of Jesus Christ and how he was an enigma, how he was a puzzle to people while he was here. Two weeks ago, we looked at the puzzle of Jesus' claim, because Jesus Christ actually claimed to be God, and that's a pretty strong claim, and that was a puzzle to many people. Last week, we looked at his freedom and how Jesus' freedom was a puzzle to people. And what we saw is that Jesus was absolutely free from religion, And Jesus was absolutely free from himself. And both of those things right there, man, if we could actually experience that, we would have life. So today, we're going to be talking about the puzzle of his kingdom. Now, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the four accounts of the the story of Jesus in the Bible, you will see that Jesus' main message was about the kingdom, uh, the kingdom of God. And what's interesting is a kingdom's a little bit different for us because we don't live in one, right? We live in a democracy where we get a vote, <laughs> where we get to say how, things, how we want things to be. But in a kingdom, the reality is you have a king, and that king has all authority and all power. And so Jesus came and he said, listen, I'm going to tell you about the kingdom of God. So in this kingdom, God is the one who has all authority and he has all power. And the kingdom of God is essentially the realm of where God reigns. The kingdom of God, if you're living in the kingdom of God, you're living in his ways. His, the life of God is actually being lived out. He gets to call the shots, and we all live our lives around him. So, when you think about heaven, heaven is called the kingdom of God. George Eldon Ladd, a guy I read in seminary, he said it best that the, that the kingdom of God is already and not yet. And what he means by that is this. You guys know that heaven is the kingdom of God. It is the place where God is going to rule completely, and everybody who's there are people who have submitted themselves happily to his rule. Because I can tell you this right now, heaven would be hell for people who don't want to follow God. It really would. I mean, seriously. So that's why when people say, well, why wouldn't God let people into heaven? He's like, well, that's not the issue, but heaven is the place where it's going to happen perfectly. And so that's why people who don't want to follow his ways now would find heaven really miserable, okay? So there is heaven, but what Jesus helped us to realize is he taught us that the kingdom of God is now as well, though. And in Luke 17, he says the kingdom of God is in you. So the realm where God reigns is actually spiritual, and it's inside our heart. In that passage, he says some people will say they're going to look for the kingdom over here, and they're going to look for the kingdom over here. But he says, no, the kingdom's actually within you. God actually reigns within us, and we follow him. He calls the shots and not us. 
Now, so next week is Easter. You guys all ready? All right. Do not miss Good Friday. Make sure you hit Friday and Sunday to get the whole weekend experience of the love of God revealed through Jesus Christ. Okay? They're both great nights. So I'm going to take us right now to the trial. The trial. So Jesus was arrested in the garden. He was sent before the Jewish high priest Caiaphas, and then Caiaphas handed him over to Pilate, the Roman governor. And we're going to pick up the story here because it's really the Jewish religious leaders that we learned about last week who really want to see Jesus put to death. Pilate's not actually that interested in that. Now, I have so much scripture today. I actually told Shannon, don't even put it up on the screens, okay? Because I just want you, let's just try to get, just listen, just get caught up in it. And let's see if God can lead us through this. In fact, let me pray before we do. Jesus, so much word from you today. So much truth. So much of a revelation that we need. We need you to reveal this to us. And so I just ask for your grace right now. Come in this place right now out of your great love for us. Open the eyes of our heart so that we can see and understand. And we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. John 18, uh, Pilate went back inside the palace, and he summoned Jesus, and he asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Can I just give you a hint? When you actually go and see Jesus, don't ask him a question, because all he'll do is ask one back at you, right? He never answers anybody's questions. It's hilarious. He, and Pilate says, Am I a Jew? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? And Jesus said, my kingdom, my rule, my way is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, you say, you say that I am a king. In fact, listen to this. The reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And Pilate asked him, what is truth? If Jesus point blank tells us, this is why I came. This is why I was born. I came to testify to the truth. Well, what's the truth? Truth is by our own definition, is that which is in accordance with reality. So if you study anything, there is reality, there is truth in the essence of anything, and you need to humble yourself and let the truth of what, whether it's a person or a subject you're studying, there's truth in that, there's reality. And so what Jesus said is, there is a reality, and my kingdom is from another place, and I have come into this world to reveal to you what is actually true. And here's what's true. Here's reality. There's a kingdom. And there is a king. And he is God. And there is no other. And this world here is short. And this kingdom of God that is available to you only is for those who submit and enter into the place where they allow God to be the one who rules in their life. And then Jesus lives out the kingdom for us. He lives out the way of God so that we can understand that. Because he says the kingdom of God can start now. You don't have to wait till heaven. You can actually receive his reign in your life now. And so he starts to describe the kingdom, right? 
And Jesus says these crazy things, like whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Anybody here? Don't raise your hand. Trying to save your life? If you're human, you do. What does that mean? It's like, I save my life. I want to be in control. I want to be king. I want to sit on the throne and have my kingdom come and my will be done. If anyone tries to save their life, Jesus says, you're going to lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and the gospel, you'll find your life. He says, if you want to be the greatest, you must become the servant of all. He says, the last will be first and the first will be last. In the Beatitudes, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom. So it's this unbelievable, up, unbelievable upside down because everything within our nature and everything within our world says you should do whatever you want to do, what makes you happy, and look out for number one. And so Jesus says, man, I came to testify to you. If you are going to spend any time in the kingdom of God, you got to have a 180 done inside your heart. Because here's the key, you guys. The kingdom of God is the nature of God. It's just who he is. It is. The kingdom of God is a spiritual power that actually sets you free from yourself. The kingdom of God is no thought. It is the nature of God. And in the very nature of God, there is no thought of self, but only of self-giving, holy love. And so when the kingdom of God enters within you, I don't know about you, but I need a power because everything within inside of me wants to live for me. And so there, that's why the kingdom come and your will be done. We actually need him to come in and reign in us and change us to set us free. Because without the kingdom of God inside of you, you cannot, you don't even have a power to say yes to God. And you will have no power to sacrifice your life for another person to the nth degree. And that's why he said these crazy things like, unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom. It is so spiritually different than the one you live in on this world that something spiritual has to happen in you to even be able to see it. And then he's right after that, he says, and then if you actually want to enter it, the Spirit of God must come inside of you. So Jesus was the perfect demonstration as a human being of one who lived in the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ perfectly submitted himself to his Father. He said this. He goes, I never do anything. He goes, I do nothing on my own. Anybody out there do anything on your own? Okay, pretty much everything. Okay, see how different the kingdom is? We're out there trying to figure out life and trying to make our life work and trying to be satisfied and trying to gain more stuff for ourselves. And Jesus says, I do nothing on my own. That's the kingdom. But whatever the Father tells me to do, I do. In John 12, he says, the world must learn that I love the Father and I do exactly what he commands me. That's the kingdom of God. Father, you reign, not me. We all pray this, right? This, remember this wrote little prayer? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Just get that right out of the way. I just said my prayer. Do you guys hear what you said? Your kingdom come means Jesus, you reign. God, you reign, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven because that's what happens in heaven. So Jesus was the full 
explanation of this. In, he, in Philippians 2, it says, Jesus, being in the very nature of God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, and being made in human likeness, he found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You guys, here's what's crazy. Spiritual power. When Christ revealed the power of God, you know the most, what is the most powerful thing that Jesus Christ did? That. Right here. The most powerful thing that Jesus Christ did was die. Do you have that? I mean, I'm talking this takes power to give your life up to the nth degree. And here's what's crazy, right? Is if you do this, then what happens? Come back next week and you'll, you'll hear. It's, just, it's, called, it's called Easter. No, when, you do, when this happens, resurrection power happens. But it always follows death. Now, this was the enigma of Christ to his disciples, the people who lived with him every day for three years. This is what they couldn't get. Three times, he point blank tells them, I must suffer, I must die, and I must rise again. And three times, they're like, I don't get it. Total enigma, total puzzle. But here's what's crazy. You guys, this was a new revelation for me. I hope it is for you. In the book of Mark, Every time Jesus talks about his own death, the very next thing he talks about is ours. Okay? This is so interesting. If you have your Bibles, you can open up. We're going to go Mark 8, Mark 9, Mark 10. I'm not in these scriptures aren't up here because I got a bust. So just listen. Listen closely to this. Mark chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus began to teach them, his disciples, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. <laughs> and so Jesus turned and he looked at his disciples and he rebuked Peter. <laughs> right? They're kind of coming right back at each other. And he says this, Peter, get behind me, Satan. He said, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Do you see the battle between the kingdom of God and the human battle? So here's Jesus saying, can I just tell you, I am going to reveal, I must do this because I live in the kingdom of God. And Peter's like, no way, because who is Peter thinking about? Himself. Human concern. Anybody got some human concern? See, and what we're going to see here is Jesus had to say, you got to get behind me, Satan, because I want to tell you, it's hard to submit yourself and live in the kingdom of God. It is hard to say yes to God and no to yourself, and all you're doing is tempting me to say no to my father. He's like, get behind me. And then look at this very next verse. He goes, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples, and he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, 
Whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world? Human concern. Gain it. What good is it to gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? So Jesus point blank says, I have to suffer and die. And here's the deal. If you want to be my disciple, in other words, if you want to enter into my kingdom, then what do you got to do? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Because that's the kingdom. So you guys, today, all of us, on a regular basis, we just have to say, who's calling the shots? Are you living for the kingdom of yourself, or are you living for the kingdom of God? So, Mark 9, let's go to the second one. He says, they left that place and they passed through Galilee, and Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were, because he was teaching his disciples. And he said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they didn't understand, right? Here's the enigma. What he meant, and they were afraid to ask him about it. You guys ready for this next verse? They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, Jesus asked them, what were you guys arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. <laughs> Is that not hilarious? Is that not hilarious? No, I mean, no, I, I, that's fine. No, but seriously, you got to, here's Jesus going, can I tell you how I'm going to live? And you guys follow me, right? Yeah, we do, Jesus. Hey, who's the greatest? They missed it right off the bat, the very next verse. And so sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and he said, guys, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of death to yourself. And the kingdom of God is you elevate everyone else above you and you do everything my father says. Chapter 10, verse 32, third time. They were on their way to Jerusalem. This is the hinge in all of the New Testament. Jesus is teaching, he's healing, he's doing miracles, and all of a sudden he turns his face and he goes, all right, buddy, here we go. We're heading to Jerusalem. And on their way to to Jerusalem, with Jesus leading the way, the disciples were astonished. They're freaking out. And those who followed were afraid. And again, he took the 12 aside and he told them what was going to happen to him. Again, third time, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death. He will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. And three days later, he will rise. You guys ready for the next verse? Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him and they said, Teacher, we want, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And Jesus says, oh, gender, what, what do you want me to do for you, he asked. And they replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. What are they asking for? Man, when your kingdom comes and you get to reign, woo! can we sit on your right and on your left? Who are they thinking about? Themselves. And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. You really want to sit at my right and left in my kingdom? Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? And they go, yes, we can. See, now here's the interesting thing. Jesus says, can you be baptized with the baptism I've got? What was his baptism? He was baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
He had the very spirit of God in him who says, guess what? From now on, you don't think about yourself anymore. You are free. And so you are, from this point on, and Jesus did it, you are going to say yes to the real king. You're going to live in his kingdom and not your own anymore. And you're going to sacrifice your life for everyone else around you. Because that's the baptism I've got. And by the way, when he said, the cup I have to drink is the cup of this crucifixion. And they go, oh yeah, we can, we can do that. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink, and you will be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. And here's the great point. Were they? Yes. And these guys who are like, what about me? Who's the greatest? Can I sit at the top? After Jesus died and rose again and the Holy Spirit entered their life, what happened to them? They were totally set free from their self and they gave their life to God and they gave their life to the world and they almost all of them died. Okay, you guys ready to sign up? This is the kingdom of God. Now, let's go. I have to realize where I'm at. Let's go back to the trial. Let's go back to the trial. The Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law according to the law that he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. And when Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid because Pilate did not want to kill Jesus. Jesus was an enigma to him too. He was freaking him out. So he went back into the palace and he said, where do you come from? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. And then Pilate said, do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? And now Jesus speaks up and he says, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Pilate, you aren't, here's what he was saying. Pilate, you are not crucifying me. My father is crucifying me. And I'm letting him. You guys see this? Pilate had no power except what was given to him. And Jesus was saying, the power of the kingdom of God is the world needs to know the nature of God who would come and sacrifice his life because he loves you that much. You are that valuable to him. And even if you don't care about him, see, that's why the kingdom's so amazing is Jesus didn't come to die for all the people who are goody two-shoes. He came down for the people who didn't want anything to do with him. That's the kingdom of God. That's power. And it came to the nth degree in Christ. And so why wouldn't he budge? Here's Pilate going, are you kidding me? You're just going to let me kill you? No response. He, he doesn't budge. He doesn't defend himself. Even when the beatings began and the stakes started going through his body, when he was mocked, when he was spit upon, he made no effort, didn't cry out at all. He totally allowed that to happen. Why? Because he was full of the power of God to love you with his life. The ultimate example of the kingdom of God is the cross of Jesus Christ. So, and how did he do that? Because right before that, he sat in a garden and he looked at his dad and three times he said, if there is any other way, I don't want to do this. Anybody relate to that? I don't want to do this. Luke, the doctor, said that blood was dripping down his face like sweat because there was so much stress. And it wasn't because he was going to be nailed to a cross. Lots of men were nailed to the cross in Roman culture. 
It was because he was going to take on the weight of all the sin of the world, all of your pain, all of your sorrow. He was going to take it on. Everything you've inflicted upon others, he was going to take it on. And the weight was so heavy, he cried out and he said, if there's any other way. And then we have the quote of all quotes. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. That right there, you guys, is the kingdom of God. And I'm telling you, and why did Jesus do this? So that he could take away our sin. So that he could get rid of this stuff inside of us who says, I live for me. It's called sin. And he could forgive it, wipe it out, and now replace it with what? The Holy Spirit, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead, is living in us who receive him so that we can finally say yes to God and finally love others more than we love ourselves. And I want to tell you guys, Jesus is the glory of God. He is the absolute offering of himself to the Father. Jesus is the power of God, the willingness to die for others. He is the power. It's his spirit in us. I have no power to live like that, but Jesus in me does. And that's why Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life. So there's the kingdom. And now, to give us a living example of this, I want Lad to come on up here. And um, one of the things I love about Lad and Crystal, his wife, one of the first times I met them, and as we got to know them, um, here's what's happened. Lad's a goofball like the rest of us, right? But he is a dude who put his faith in Jesus Christ. And when he did, the Holy Spirit has entered his life. And from day one, here's what I know about these two, is there are people who say that. Not our will, but yours be done. So the jet journey continues, and mm. fill us in, my friend. Yeah, that's a high bar. Yeah, it is. Um, so obviously, uh, none of us think that we perfectly do. No. Yeah. I didn't say, Not did I will. say he was Jesus? No. Okay, I didn't say All right, good. No, no, um, seriously, but you. A living example. <laughs> um, you know, that, that really is what we do pretty well here as a church. We consistently, we consistently say right here, we up the ante with each other almost every week. If you're part of our community as followers of Jesus, we say to one another each week, man, would you walk into the love of God and would you put your, put your life before him and say, God, everything on the table, there's nothing off the table for you. I'm going to trust you with my life. More and more, we challenge one another to that as brothers and sisters in Christ. We hear, Dave, each week, we hear from the, from the worship and from the message each week, love God, love one another, and walk into giving that love and trust God with it, right? That's what we do. We do that really well. And uh, here's, for us as pastors, one of the difficulties about constantly encouraging us as a body to lay your life down and to give your life is that sometimes it seems like a self-serving message, right? Like, that's how we fuel the ministry of the church, right? Like, and... And nothing could be further than the truth. It is a, a God-serving message, and it is a in-your-best-interest-serving message, but it comes with a cost of saying, not my will, but yours be done. We want you to know that in our lives, personally, we constantly have to say, okay, God, 
not my will, but yours be done. And God, I want to put everything on the table for you. God, nothing is off the table from you. You can lead and direct and guide me as you would. And so in, in that process, um, God has been speaking. I love the way Paul says this in Galatians. Paul is talking to the church in Galatia, and he just recounts back to a time uh, when uh, God was leading him, and he says this uh, to... He says this to the church there. He was in a town called Damascus, serving and growing and leading, and God called him to go, and this is what he says. While I was there, um, he says, I went there, this is to Jerusalem, I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. And he went, and it was simple as that. And in this context of talking about walking with God and saying, God, not my will, but your be done, um, we need to tell you today that, uh, that God is leading us uh, forward to be part of the extended family of K2. I'm going to be transitioning off staff here as one of your pastors next month, and I'm going to be moving to a different place. And uh, man, I, I, I would love to have had coffee with each one of you like three months ago and asked you to be praying for me. I want to tell you how I make decisions. Um, we don't make decisions privately because my life isn't mine. My life is God's, and and your lives are God's, right? If you're a follower of Jesus. And the way Crystal and I make decisions is when we feel like God's kind of throwing down something heavy, if that makes sense. Like, not like, where do I eat lunch, right? But um, when God is bringing something possibly big to us, we ask our elders among us. We're always underneath a leadership, right? Like, we have partners in ministry, and we have a spiritual advisory board, you know, like our elders, and we have... We have people. So we said in, in early February, we said, hey, we really sense a significant direction to pray. Would you pray with us? And so the spiritual advisory board and the management team and their spouses began to pray. And we have some other advisors that pray for us from not here from Salt Lake. And, and it's been this process of asking God, is this really what you're calling us to? And um, we are, we are going to move. Um, it's, a, it's a request that's been made to us for, for years that has always been clearly from God, no. And um, in this season, we got asked again uh, by my family to run our family's business and to do ministry from that platform, like a tent-making platform. I have my business and then to do ministry in that town. And the answer has always been no. And so we got asked again, and we said to our family, no, and, but we'll pray about it. And when Crystal and I went to pray about it, it was like God said, hey, I really want you to pray about this. I really want you to actually listen to me. Just because you've said no in the past doesn't mean that I'm going to say no now. And so that's when we asked the management team and the SOB to pray for us. And um, the outcome of that is that last week we, we came to the place where he said, God's really leading us. And none of us likes this timing. I'm, like none of us. None of us personally. Um, none of the management team. None of the sob. Um, I mean, there's probably somebody who likes the timing of it, but I just don't know him. And, uh, and um, yeah. And so he- here's the deal. Uh, in the process, because I just, the timing stinks. Like we have been so excited. And we are so excited about the direction we're going as a church. We love so many of you. We have this amazing community of friends in Sandy that our kids do sports with. Our kids are settled. And it's like, God, really? Right? Is that really what you're doing? In fact, our son Wyatt, when we talked last week about it, 
he said, like, after, you know, a couple hours, he just said, okay, Dad, is this, I just got to ask you this, Dad. This is my 11-year-old. He says, uh, like, are we sure, like, you're hearing from God right? <laughs> now, here, here's what's cool about that. It's a spiritual, it's a spiritual question, yep. right? It's asking the right person. It's asking God, am I really hearing from you right? And, man, from my child, like, that's a, that's a fantastic thing. I want that for my kids, to navigate their life, asking God, hey, God, is this really the way? And if there's any desire I could have for you, it would be that you would navigate your life the same way. I can't promise smooth transitions for you. I can't promise, like, you know, that, like, even the awkwardness of us talking about finances these last few weeks, and then this, and like, I just, I got to tell you, like, this has been in process since last year, and it has absolutely nothing to do with that. In fact, it's probably going to cost us more to, you know, whatever. It just, it, I, I just want you to know, like, the timing stinks. And yet, we're like, okay, God. Like, man, we're so excited about what you're doing here in our church. Why are you transitioning us? And, okay, God, we'll trust you. And, um, and so, of course, we're excited, and we got family and all that kind of stuff. And, I, you know, learning curves and stuff to do is exciting for guys. And I, I get that, and I'm excited about being near some friends that I love dearly, all of that's great. I just, I want to encourage you, don't be the architect of your life. You'll always plan too small, right? You'll always plan, you'll always play it way too safe. Man, God has, God has amazing plans for you. And sometimes they, they look like a direction you wouldn't go, right? And like, it, we just wouldn't choose to move there. I grew up in the Midwest, and so we're going to move into Cleveland, Ohio, and um, again, wouldn't be my first geographic choice. Of course, I love people there, and it's a privilege to serve my family, and, and it's a privilege to think about church planning there, all of that. Awesome. But, um, you know, I, I, I have a vote, right? And, and so in some ways, it's not mine. Well, and that's, that's been my line. He just stole my line. <laughs> no, because that, that's it. Like, when Lad asked us to pray, I said, absolutely, we will. My this biggest struggle for me is going to actually to be able to pray without a personal will. Mm-hmm. You guys have wills for people's lives? Right. I had a will for Lad yep. and Crystal. And it was, and that's what I say, it wasn't my, like, this was not my vote. But again, the kingdom of God is not a democracy. Mm-hmm. We don't get to, you know. So, and, and I just want to say, I'm absolutely confident. After going through this process with them, uh, absolutely confident, especially when you realize he's moving to Ohio. <laughs> like, that can only be of God right. to, to actually <laughs> go to Ohio. So, um, but, and so here's what we know. We have confidence that God wants to build his kingdom mm-hmm. in Northeast Ohio and, and, and bless Lad's family. And because of that, we have absolute confidence that God wants to build his kingdom right here at K2. Yep. And there's a, something he's up to in this place. Mm-hmm. And that's why we, so we don't see it, but we know he loves us. Mm-hmm. And we know he's committed to the whole picture. So Lad will be on staff for the next, you know, all the way through May. He's going to speak some more. He's going to help shepherd and lead us through this transition mm-hmm. and pour into the ministries he's been involved in. Um, if he ends up planting churches in, in Northeast Sahara, are we going to be part of that? You know it, absolutely. And he will bring him back. He is family. They are family. Crystal, you are family. And, and, and um, just like I'm going back to Detroit in three weeks to speak again because I'm part of that family. Lad is part of our family. So would you guys please just join us um, pray for them. This is obviously very, oh, conversation after conversation is tough, but love on these guys, pray for them, and, uh, and pray for us, and we'll see God's kingdom come, which it is, 
and then we're going to see his will be done. All right? So, Brett, you guys can come out for worship, and then let's pray. Father, thank you for um, uh, your perfect will that we would never choose, but that you are so right and so good, and you can see everything we can't see, and we trust you. So, Lord, we ask for your blessing on Ladd and Crystal and their boys. We just pray that you would anoint them. And the, the clarity that they have that you're asking them to go, we, we know that all of us are, are going to be able to look back and go, okay, now we see it, even though we can't see it now. Mm-hmm. And the same for us, God. We just pray for your blessing on K2 as you continue to move us forward and doing great things here. We can't wait to see what your will is for us. So, Lord, we grieve because you didn't create us for relationships that get separated. It hurts. Mm-hmm. It is very sad. And yet, we trust you. And we just ask for your perfect blessing on everything that we do as we move forward. In Jesus' name, amen.